or a lot of you on the text line talking about she was probably hidden somewhere in the car. Uh, possibly in the truck. We don't know. We're all speculating. We're all guessing about how she got across the border. But yeah, who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. We'll find out. We'll find out. I, I, I believe me. I understand um, the desire to have these questions answered. Um, sometimes it takes time. Uh, and we'll find out. You know, I had a holiday weekend in Canada. Now you've got a holiday weekend in the U.S. on the other side. So a lot of the things that typically might happen aren't happening today. It's not a typical Monday in the U.S., so we're not getting all the details. Uh, we will. We will. And I know it's hard to be patient. And um, the uncertainty is part of this. And I think if you're a parent of a teenager, um, these kinds of stories, um, they can be troubling. Very, very troubling. You don't know how this happens. We don't know the details, but you want to make sure that it doesn't happen to your kid. And what can you do to prevent this? As I said, Calgary police put out a store, uh, a warning um, earlier this month saying that they've had close to 50 cases. They call them sextortion cases. Um, basically, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like blackmail, right? Where um, online scammers reach out to these kids through phony social media profiles and, you know, they strike up a conversation, form a relationship, get some kind of incriminating photograph, typically sexual in nature, and then the blackmail starts and the escalation begins and send more, do more. Who knows if that's how this started? We don't know with this particular case, but this happens a lot. And that is catastrophic to a kid too. doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an example like this 13 year old being taken to the U S I mean, lives turned upside down and lives deeply damaged by these kinds of cases as well. So what do we do? How how do we keep kids safe online? Can you do it? We're going to talk now with Caitlin Mendez, who is an associate professor of sociology and the Canada research chair in inequality and gender at Western university. Caitlin, thank you for joining us again. Always nice to chat. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, stories like this really bring to surface a lot of the things that trouble us, right? When you hear a story like this, met online, social media involved, it's like, oh boy, this is the worst case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the sad thing, like you say, is that it's actually probably a lot more common than most people think. Mm -hmm. And even cases where it maybe doesn't actually lead to sextortion, but cases where people are trying to lure and kind of entrap young people is absolutely prominent. Is there a pattern you can watch for? Is this a way that this happens? Like according to Calgary Police, it typically begins with a phony social media profile and a friend request. It's that simple. Yeah, that's That's exactly right. And so there are certain platforms where we know that these sorts of things are more likely to happen on. So things like Snapchat. And what young people definitely tell me is that Snapchat seems to be a platform where young people feel quite comfortable adding people that they don't know. So maybe, you know, they know not to add someone on other social media platforms. But with Snapchat, it just seems to feel a little bit safer. There's something about the way that the platform is set up Mm -hmm. that makes young people maybe more likely to trust strangers and, and add uh, add people often because they're within broader social networks. So Snapchat is definitely one of the platforms, just one, there are others, but it's definitely one that we know that, um, you know, this kind of sextortion often happens on or it starts on. And, and, and then, and then that's just sort of the entrance way. And, and it seems to me like now we're seeing, you know, the luring, we're seeing the sextortion, the Amanda Todd mm-hmm. case that's out, playing out in British Columbia right now. Yeah. It it can go in a multitude of different directions once that initial connection is made, right? 
Exactly. And I think this is actually really, for me, the scary part, you know, and this is, I think, where perhaps what is surprising a lot of parents, not necessarily that strangers are trying to lure young people, although, you know, I think the stranger danger is something that we've been aware of for a long time, but how fast it seems to be escalating and how young people really don't know what to do. So instead of turning to their parents for help, instead of turning to the police, instead of turning to friends, you know, they're they're giving in, they're trying to deal with this on their own. And I think that for me is what's really, really scary about what we're seeing with all these cases in the news is that, you know, something bad happens and young people would rather, you know, maybe take their own lives or kind of do something drastic rather than go and find a trusting adult in their life and confide with them with what they've done. They feel so overwhelmed. They feel so ashamed, so guilty. They feel as though there's no way out. And for me, I think that's what's really sad. But that's also the space where I think there's potential where we can make some changes. Yeah, and RCMP in our province, Calgary Police in our province, following this story out of Calgary saying, you know what, we're asking parents and caregivers to sit down and talk to their kids and say, listen, come to us. Don't worry. We can work it out, like you say, sort of because that's that's the key for these predators that are preying on these kids online. They know that there's going to be great reluctance to go and seek help because it's embarrassing. There's a stigma there. It's hugely embarrassing. And also, we have to remember the message that most people have been getting, that most kids have been getting is, why would you add a stranger? Or you'd be so stupid to take a naked picture of yourself and share it. So again, if that's the message, if that's the only message, or if that's the main message message that young people have been getting, it makes sense why they're not wanting to come forward, why it's hard for them to all of a sudden have those kinds of conversations because they're worried about getting blamed. They feel like it's their fault. And I think, again, that's the key space where if we just change our messaging, it's not going to solve all of the cases, but I think it will certainly help more young people come forward and ask for the help that they actually need. Calgary police say, yeah, we've got almost 50 cases in the first six months, and we think this is a vast under-reporting of what's really going on out there. Does that sort of um, fit with your thinking and your analysis of the situation? Is it way more than that? I think it's way more than that. So I did a survey of just shy of 600 people last year, um, and we found that about 5% of them actually experienced attempts from adults to engage in this kind of sextortion with them. So if we think about that, you know, that's around 30 young people. And that's just, that's not a representative sample. That was just going into five different schools. So if we think about 30 young people across five different schools, they're telling us that this is happening to them. If we think of, you know, the whole province, or if we think on a much bigger scale, And this was an anonymous survey, and I think that's part of the reason why young people were willing to come forward, because there was no way of kind of tracking it back to them. So they felt as though they could be a little bit more open about what was going on. So 50 cases, 100%, that's going to be a significant underreporting of what's actually going on. So how do we, I mean, as parents out there listening that have kids uh, that are on these phones, that are on these social media platforms, I mean, what's the list of things that you want to try? First and foremost, make sure it's a safe place and they can come to you for help, right? That's job one. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's making sure, here's the thing, you're never going to make sure that these technologies are completely safe, no matter which one you use. So that's the question that I often get from parents is which is the safest platform. 
the truth is there's always going to be risk. So what you have to do is learn to manage that risk. And what you have to do is before you're giving your child a piece of technology, you have to make sure that they know how to use it, that they know how to feel safe coming to you if something goes wrong. So there are certain things and, you know, young people aren't going to want to come to you with everything. So teaching them how to do things like reporting, blocking, muting, those are kind of like initial safety strategies that I think parents should be teaching their young people. And there's many parents who probably don't know how to do those features. Go on to YouTube. There's so many different videos, especially geared for parents that will tell you, you know, what is Snapchat? How does it work? What is TikTok? How does it work? How do you actually use these different safety features? So if you know, if you're a parent and you're willing to spend half an hour, you can learn about all the different platforms that your young people are on. So definitely making sure that you're equipping your young person to understand the technology that that they're using. But more than that, again, like we say, it's about having regular conversations with them about what's going on. So it's not enough to just have one conversation when you give them the phone and hope that that's enough. It's regularly checking in with them. And you don't have to ask, you know, your child about necessarily what they're doing. Ask them about what's going on in their friend's Mm -hmm. life. You can use these things that are going on in the media, like these sextortion cases, and use that as a conversation opener. Hey, does this surprise you? Have you heard of anything like this happening? And then start to role model and start to think, okay, if something like this would happen to you, what is it that you think that you would do? What is it that you think you would need from me in order to make sure, you know, you feel comfortable coming forward? And I think that's the important thing is for parents to just just have this open dialogue. Yeah. And again, this is tragic what we're hearing in the media. But again, you can use that as like a, a teachable moment, a learning opportunity, a chance to connect with your young person about what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely fabulous advice. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I really appreciate your time.